hand, they made a hand. Thank you, Miss Gina. I am amazed that he would save me. You know what? But then Hot Rod sang, come to the well. He said, why are you still working? I've done, done everything that needs to be done. I'm amazed that my Savior would make a way for me to be saved. You know what? Whenever we begin to think that God owes us salvation, we begin to miss a little bit of the truth of the fact that we were unworthy, we were undesirable, there was nothing about us that would benefit God, and yet he said, I want to save that person. I'm telling you what, it ought to do something for us, it ought to stir our hearts, it ought to excite us to know that we have a Savior that is willing to give all that we might have salvation. I do want to say thank you to everyone that had a part in the service, the choir, uh, Brother Randy leading the songs, the guys up top that nobody ever sees or gets to appreciate as much as they should be, Brother Harov, Miss Jen singing. Uh, everyone that was involved in the service, I appreciate each person that faithfully labors, each person that faithfully works, each person that faithfully prepares uh, to make the service possible. Boy, I tell you what, where would we be without each and every one of you? We're going to be in the book of Psalms today, the book of Psalms, and we're going to be moving uh, to, to a couple of different passages in the psalm, so, uh, but we'll be beginning in Psalm 119, if you want to turn there uh, this morning. As I said a little bit ago, today we're going to take a few minutes, maybe deviate from our regular series, and uh, we're going to take a few moments to focus uh, on recognizing, honoring, and of course challenging uh, our graduates. As we all know well, life is made up uh, of a series of accomplishments. Life is made up of milestones, markers, uh, uh, that we, we use these to uh, uh, mark our success in life. A lot of times if you take a trip, uh, one that you make fairly frequently as you'll be going along the trip, uh, uh, one of the children will say, uh, where are we? Uh, and you will tell them how far along you are according to the last uh, milestone that you passed, the last marker that you passed. And as we go through life, uh, many times we mark our progress by these milestones early in life, they occur quite frequently. Uh, uh, whenever a child first starts growing, you have their first words. Uh, and sometimes I believe parents have some tremendous imaginations uh, in coming up with those first words. I mean, that little kid is just squawking, and I mean, they can hear all kinds of conversation in all those squawks, you know. But we have the first word. Uh, then a little bit later, we have the first tooth. Uh, then we have the first steps. Uh, then we have the first birthday. Uh, I mean, when you're first born, these milestones are coming pretty quick. There's a lot of firsts, a lot of things that happen uh, quite regularly. As we continue to mature, the milestones continue to come, but they get a little further apart and maybe have a little more significance. You have your first day of school, uh, uh, that first day when mom is determined uh, that this is never going to work, that their little kid is going to just cry their eyes out, and it's going to be the most miserable thing, and the little kid just marches right in, sits down at his desk, and he's happy to be there, and mom cries her eyes out. Uh, it's that first day of school, you know, when you take that kid to school, you have your kindergarten graduation. When they finish kindergarten, you have that first little ceremony for them. Uh, uh, then, you, then you reach your double digits, you know. You finally turn 10 years old. This is a milestone in your life. And then you have that 13th birthday, and then you have that 16th birthday, and it just goes on and on. These are milestones, things uh, uh, that we hope 
for, things that we look forward to, and these milestones never stop. Matter of fact, this past year, I reached a milestone myself when I became a grandfather to two wonderful grandchildren, another milestone. And, and they continue, these markers that mark our progress through life. But probably one of the most notable milestones, one of the, most, uh, one of the uh, more important milestones in a person's life is the high school graduation. Now, many times on graduation Sunday, we recognize uh, high school and college graduates, but those that we're recognizing today are high school graduates. And so I felt that it would be appropriate to look at that graduation. And high school graduation is probably one of the bigger milestones in a person's life because high school graduation is that moment when, according to society... Although, if I remember my high school graduation correctly, I didn't change much from before or after. I was still the same guy. But according to society, when we have that high school graduation, uh, we go from being a child to entering into uh, the world or the realm of becoming an adult. Uh, the school days are over. The basic education is complete. Uh, and you step into uh, a whole new normal. What you have known and what you have done for the last 12, 14 years of your life has now changed completely and things will be different after passing this milestone. Some go on to college to prepare, further prepare for their careers. Others begin working jobs. Some begin thinking of marriage. And others simply rejoice that school's over and they lay on the couch for weeks until their mom and dad finally tell them, look, there's another step. You've got to get up and get going. But high school graduation is a big thing. It's a big step. But regardless of their individual path, regardless of which direction they go after this milestone, every graduate enters a new set of circumstances so significant that we mark this milestone as one of the big ones. This is a big milestone. This is a big step, a big thing that happened. This morning we want to take a few moments to recognize two young adults who have reached this milestone and take a few minutes to challenge them this morning from the Word of God. We have their picture on the screen. We also have them here in the bulletin. We have Garrett Huffman. Garrett Huffman uh, is the son of Wayne and Teresa Huffman. And uh, Garrett, says here in the bulletin, graduated from Rockbridge County High School. He will be attending King University in Bristol, Tennessee to further his education and play baseball. Garrett, could you stand? Let's give Brother Garrett a good round of applause. And the second graduate that we're recognizing today is mine and Melissa's daughter, Michaela Tilly. Michaela is a graduate of homeschooling. Uh, she is currently employed at Miller's Bakery in Storch Draft. And let me just say there's a lot of benefits to having a family member <laughs> working at Miller's Bakery in Storch Draft, just so you know. Uh, but she's seeking the Lord's will for her future. Michaela, would you stand? Let's give Michaela a round of applause. <laughs> Garrett, Michaela, this morning I've prepared a message with this particular milestone in mind. Now the truths of this message are applicable to everyone and they are truths that can be applied at any stage in life and if they are applied, they will be beneficial. But I believe the truths that we're going to look at today are best, they yield the best results if they are applied at this point in our life. And so to get started, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 119, verse number 9, where we'll read a very familiar passage of Scripture. The Bible says there in Psalm 119, in verse number 9, Wherewithal shall a young man 
or woman, cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this privilege, Lord, that we have of honoring these young people, Lord, that have completed their high school education. Lord, we have this honor, Lord, of showing our support as their church family, Lord, as they step out uh, into these new circumstances, Lord, as they take on a new normal, Lord, as they begin to choose uh, the path for their life, that, Lord, we as a church family can let them know we are here for you, we are behind you, we are praying for you, and we are supporting you. Father, I thank you for it. I pray, dear Lord, as we look at this truth in your word, about your word, Father, Lord, that they will take it to heart, and Lord, that we will recognize, not only the students, but everyone, Lord, the importance of taking heed to your word. Bless us now as we go throughout this service, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, whenever you read this verse in Psalm 119, verse number 9, many times we get the idea that this verse would only apply to someone uh, who needed cleansing. In other words, many times we would apply it to someone uh, who maybe had been involved in uh, wickedness or they've been involved in sin of some type, uh, and we would use this verse to say, how are we going to get them back on the right track? Uh, And so you say, well, Pastor John, why would we use this verse uh, when we're preaching to graduates? Well, I believe that whenever we use the verse or interpret the verse in that way, that we are misinterpreting the verse. Because as Christians in a sinful world, we have a need to be cleansed on a daily basis. If you remember, whenever the Lord Jesus came to the disciples and he was going to wash their feet, and Peter opposed and said, Lord, I don't need you to wash my feet. I don't need you to do that. And the Lord explained that he was washing the filth off of Peter's feet. And then Peter said, oh, now I see. Don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me. You see, in the daily course of life, if you look at it in a physical respect, Peter had picked up dirt off of the highway, and although he was clean, his feet had become dirty by traversing through the world. And so whenever we consider this point in life, when a young adult leaves the home and the security of the home and the protection of the home and begins to step out on their own, they need to remember how to stay clean despite the wickedness of this world. It can be, It is true that every person, we come to church on Sunday morning, we listen to the preaching, we sing the songs, we say some prayers, we get ourselves cleaned up, we get ourselves revitalized, and by halfway through the week, we find ourselves contaminated with the things of the world. We find that we have been affected by the things of the world. We find that there is things that has entered our mind, there are things that we have seen, there are things that we have heard, there are things that we have encountered that has begun to wear down the blessings that we received on the Lord's day and it becomes necessary to cleanse ourselves. It becomes necessary to find a way that we can daily cleanse ourselves so that we can go through this sinful world and stay right with God. We see here that the psalmist asked the questions, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How are we able to stay clean in this world? And he said, here's how you do it. By taking heed. Thereto, 
according to thy word. In other words, we could say that this is the bar of soap that washes away the filth of the world. And if there is one thing that I could challenge the graduates with and everyone that is listening, if there is one thing that will keep you clean and keep you living for God and keep your focus on God and keep your mind and heart on God is a daily application of the Word of God. But not just a daily application of the Word of God, but also a taking heed, looking into it, and seeing what it can do for you. In Psalm 19, we are given a description of the Word of God as well as a list of what I call this morning cleansing benefits that we will receive when we take heed to the Word of God. So turn with me to Psalm chapter number 19. Psalm chapter number 19. And we'll read verse number 7 down through verse verse number 11. The Bible says there in Psalm 19, verse number 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by keeping them as thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Here in this passage of Scripture, I see three categories concerning taking heed to the Word of God. I see, first of all, what we can receive when we take heed to the Word of God. I see, second of all, what we will discover when we take heed to the Word of God. And then last of all, I see some delight that can be found when we accept and apply the truths of God's Word to our life. The first thing that I see as I get into this passage is that by taking heed to the Word of God, we are cleansed because the Word of God will give us transformation. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It is in His word that we find the means whereby we can be changed from sinner to saint. It is in his word that we find instruction on how to receive salvation. It is in his word that we find instruction on how to pray. It is in his word that we find instruction on how to interact with God in a real and personal way. It is this book that tells us who we are and who God is and how that relationship ought to work. It is this book that can convert the soul. This book takes those who are separated from God and unites them with their Creator. This book takes those that have no sure direction and gives them goals, eternal goals, that will make a difference in their life. This book, and when we take heed to this book, when we listen to receive and act upon the principles of this book, it will give every person that does so a head start in life. Now society would have us believe that there are far better resources that would help us understand how to navigate life outside of the Word of God. But the people that promote that and the people that say that are people who have an earthly focus. They are people whose mind is stayed on the things of this life and they have no eternal viewpoint. But whenever we understand that we are eternal beings, we were created in the image of God, the purpose of our time on earth, 
earth is to prepare for our eternity with God, then we realize that success in this life is not gauged by our careers. Success in this life is not gauged by our financial success. The success in this life is not gauged by our popularity, but success in this life is gauged by how prepared I am for eternity. And there is no better resource in life than the Word of God for preparing you to live a life on this earth that will prepare you for eternity. This book is the best book. This book brings transformation. This book gives every person who pays attention to it a head start. It gives every person who pays attention to it the upper hand. It gives us an insider look on how the world works. Everybody that takes heed to this book, I believe, is ultimately set aside and set up for success like no one else. Just simply talk to someone that takes no heed to the Word of God and ask them about situations and circumstances that are going on in the world around them. And many times they will have no answer. They do not understand. It makes no sense. But the Christian who takes heed to the Word of God says that makes perfect sense. I have no question about what's going on. We look at all that's going on over in Israel, between Israel and those countries around it, and we see the battles and we see the war, and people have all sorts of ideas about what is going on and why it is happening, and there are all kind of theories and all kind of ideas. But the Christian doesn't even have to lose sleep over it because the Word Word of God tells us clearly what is going on. It is coming nigh for the second return of Christ and things are lining up and we look at it and although we hate to see Israel in turmoil, it excites us. Why? Because we have an upper hand. We have the book that tells us what is going on in life and this applies to things on a big scale. This applies to things on a little scale. Many people will enter into a trial or a hardship or a difficulty in life and that hardship will wear them down and discourage them until they are incapable to go on. But the Christian who takes heed to the Word of God can have joy unspeakable in spite of the trial. He can have peace that passeth understanding despite the hardship. Why? Because he's got an upper hand. He's taken heed to the Word of God and the Word of God instructs him and transforms him so that he's not like the rest of the world. When we take heed to the Word of God, we receive transformation. The psalmist said, the law of the Lord is perfect. And because of its perfection, it has the ability to transform the life of any person who will take heed to the Word of God. In addition to transformation, when we take heed to the Word, we will also receive education. Education. You say, hold on now, Pastor John, you just said that we were finished with our basic education. Why are you presenting us with the idea of more education? Well, I'll say two things right here. One, this book will provide you an education that secular education never can. And then secondly, just as your pastor advising you, you should never, ever, ever stop learning. 
Learning should be a lifelong endeavor. Do you know statistics say that like 80-some percent of people never read another book after they graduate high school? At 80-some percent, that means some of them are in here. (laughs) You should never, ever, ever stop learning. When you graduate high school, you don't know everything yet. When you graduate college, you don't know everything yet. And you need to be people who are constantly learning, constantly developing, constantly growing. And the number one place that you need to be growing and learning and seeking education is right here from the precious Word of God. There was a fellow who lived next to my parents whenever I was 10, 11 years old and he didn't have an automobile and so he'd walk up and down the road, you know, walk to town and different things. If dad was going to town and seen him, he'd stop and pick him up and give him a ride into town. And he'd always talk. So he knew dad was a pastor, so he'd always want to talk church stuff when we was giving him a ride. And he, dad would try to tell him something about the Bible. And he'd say, Preacher, I've read the Bible ten times. I know everything that it has to say. There's nothing in there that you can tell me that I don't already know. I've read the Bible ten times. Well, let me tell you, if you've only read it ten times, you probably don't know nothing that the Bible has to say. You can read this Bible over and over and over and over and over again and it will constantly be instructing you and helping you and teaching you and encouraging you. You can never wear out the principles of the Word of God. And you know what they say, uh, uh, that you can learn how to do something by book knowledge, uh, but you never will be able to uh, completely understand it until you practice it. And boy, I'm telling you what, there are a lot of people who can quote a lot of Scripture uh, who have been through the Bible a lot of times, but they've never practiced it. And what you need to do is you need to not only learn this book, but you need to practice this book. We see that when we take heed, we receive uh, education. He says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. There is no other resource available to mankind that can provide the answers to life's mysteries like the Word of God can. You know what? It just thrills me so much whenever scientists discover something that Bible believers have known all along. (laughs) If you would just read the Word of God, you would have known this all along. But boy, they have made this big discovery. There is nothing that can provide the answers to life's mysteries like the Word of God can. When we open the Bible, we are given direct access to the wisdom of God. Now I know that the wisdom of God is far above my understanding and I know that there is no way that I will ever comprehend or even come close to having the wisdom of God. However, it does not mean that I do not have access to the wisdom of God. And whenever I open this book, I am given access to the wisdom of God. Many people say we need to take this book and we need to rewrite it and we need to simplify it and we need to bring it down to where people can understand it. Well, I don't want something that tells me what I already know. I want something that's going to tell me what I don't know. I'm not trying to find wisdom that's on my level. I'm trying to access wisdom that is on God's level. And you know what? Whenever I get into the Word of God and 
I find something that it takes me a little bit of time to digest and a little bit of time to understand. I don't get frustrated about that and think that we need to change the way it's written. No, I understand that by reading this, I am tapping into the wisdom of God and if I take the time to understand it, it will change my life. This book, those that take heed to this book will receive education. In this book, we find both spiritual truth and practical wisdom. We find instruction for the future and light for our daily path. There is no other book that will prepare you for eternity and equip you for today like the Word of God can. And it doesn't do that laying on your bookshelf. It does that when you drink it and you drink it and you drink it and you apply it and you live by it. There is no other book that will prepare you for eternity and equip you for your everyday life as effectively as this blessed book. In addition to transformation and education, when we take heed to His Word, we will receive satisfaction. When we take heed to His Word, we will receive satisfaction. You know what? Many times life is presented as a competition. It's presented as an endeavor. It's presented as something that we are constantly trying to master so that once we master it, we can be satisfied. Well, let me tell you, you can try all you want. And I'm sure there's folks here who are older than I who can testify to what I'm going to say. You can spend your entire life pursuing the things that the world says when you master this, you'll be satisfied. You can spend your entire life pursuing it and you will never find satisfaction. But whenever you learn to look at this book, you can find satisfaction. Apostle Paul said, I have learned, and whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. I know how to abound, I know how to be abased, uh, everywhere and in all things. Contentment is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And those that take heed to this book can find a satisfaction that the world cannot give. Graduates, as you are stepping out into life, the world, if they've not already started, are going to start throwing all kinds of things your way that say this is what will make you happy, this is what will bring you satisfaction, this is what will bring you fulfillment, these are the things you need to pursue. And if you're not careful, all of us have been guilty. We get called up in pursuing these things that the world says provides the answers. But at the end of the day, the only thing that will completely satisfy the soul is taking heed and applying and living by the principles of the Word of God. It is the only thing that can satisfy the soul. You see, we're not earthly creatures. We're heavenly creatures. 
And sometimes we forget that we are heavenly beings. We forget that we are spiritual beings created in the image of God, made in the likeness of God, and we try to operate as if we are base earthly creatures and we try to find our happiness and our satisfaction inside the realm of base earthly creatures. And God said your satisfaction is much deeper than these base things. Your satisfaction is found in a relationship with me. And whenever you have that relationship with Him, the base earthly things, whether they are going good or whether they are going bad, do not affect the condition of your soul because your satisfaction is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It said there in verse number 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, we live in a world that likes to operate in a gray area. I'm telling you what, this world in which we live, we could, we could go offline right here and just preach a whole sermon on how our world wants everything to be in a gray area. No right and no wrong. Everybody doing whatever they, whatever they want. But, you know, while this approach seems to be desirable, in reality, it is frustrating. Because inside every person, God has placed a moral compass. God has placed inside of every person a, a desire to know what is right and what is wrong. God has put inside of every person a conscience that lets us know if we should or should not do things. Now we know that we can sear that conscience. We can, we can damage that conscience so that it no longer functions as God designed it to. But every person is designed to need and want these perimeters so we understand what we should and should not do. We're all given this built-in compass. We all desire a clear definition between right and wrong. Even those who advocate are advocates of this gray type of thinking do so because they've convinced themselves that this gray area is the right thing to do. We, we all desire some basic uh, guidelines, some clear definition Whenever we live in a world where everything is unclear, it is frustrating to the soul. Is it right? Is it wrong? Should I? Should I not? Can I? Should I stay away? Because everything about us is wired to operate that way and it becomes very frustrating. But whenever we look at the Word of God, the Bible says that the statutes of the Lord are right. And whenever we apply ourselves to the statutes of the Word of God and we live by the statutes of the Word of God, it rejoices the heart and we find a satisfaction in life that a world without boundaries can never give. It brings satisfaction. And then we're going to close here with this point. By taking heed to His Word, we receive clarification. We receive clarification. The Bible says in the last part of verse number 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The Bible has the ability to make plain that which is obscure. The Bible has the ability to uncover that which is hidden. The Bible is filled with aha 
moments because the Bible has the ability to, to clarify, to uncover, and to reveal. It enlightens the eye. When we take heed to the Word of God, the mysteries of life are uncovered and we can clearly see how to have the best life possible. Trying to navigate life without the Word of God is like trying to go on a trip without a road map or trying to assemble a complicated piece of furniture without any instructions. Now some of you guys are sitting there right now and you're saying, well, Pastor John, I never use a road map and I never read instructions. I congratulate you for that and I know that it can be done. But it's so much easier. And the results are often so much better when you have a God. When you have a God. And this book brings clarification. There are people, yes, that go through life and never refer to the Word of God. But you know how when you assemble that complicated piece of furniture without any instructions, when you're finished, you have a leftover bag of bolts and it always wobbles? There's a lot of people that goes through life without the Word of God. And they may tell you, look, I made it without God, but they got a leftover bag of bolts and their life is wobbly because they didn't do it God's way. The book clarifies how we are to live our life. We also have some things we can discover and we have some things that we can delight in, but we'll just move past those. Maybe I'll finish this up tonight. We're recognizing graduates tonight. Maybe I'll just finish this up tonight. I don't know. I have another message too, so we'll see. But anyway, the Word of God, when we apply the Word of God, there's some things that we can receive from it. The Gideons, in the front of any Gideon Bible that you receive, they have this thing written about the Word of God. And we actually have it framed, and it's out here in this foyer on the wall. Probably one of the best descriptions of the Bible you'll ever read. It goes like this. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored. Heaven opened and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, the design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life and will be opened at the judgment and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. There is no book that will guide you through life better than this book. And what we've preached this morning applies at any stage of life. If you're only a few weeks from your death, this book will change the last few weeks of your life. But graduates, there is nothing better you can do at this point of your life than to say this book 
will be my guide. There may be things in it I don't understand. There may be parts of it that I can't comprehend. It may take me a while to read it through, but I'm going to purpose in my heart that this book will be my guide. This book is how I'll govern my life. This book is how I'll rule my home. This book will determine my career. This book is going to be the guide of my life because there is no other book that will guide you through life like this book.